Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 Church is a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio, that's inviting friends into family. If you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. For more information about us, including our service times and live stream information, check out the links in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Good morning, church. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Year. All right, we made it. We made it. Hey, before we start uh, this morning, I'm going to take us uh, back in time a little bit. We're going to go to seventh grade history class. Okay, sound good? Uh, I want, there's going to be a quiz. My wife's a history teacher, so she's pumped right now. But uh, there's going to be a quiz here. Who can shout out? Who is this on the screen? Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. Hey, just to say the 830 aced this test. Just saying. Um, What number president was he? I'm holding it up, third. Come on, have some confidence, third. Uh, this one's a little tough. Uh, he made a deal with the French and bought a piece of land, kind of the whole west coast of our country. And what was that deal called? Oh, come on, Charlie, let's go. All right, uh, and then I actually went to his home uh, a couple summers ago and his home's got a kind of funky Italian name. Does anyone know what his house is called? Monticello, come on. All right, last one, and you have to raise your hand uh, because there's a prize, so don't shout it out. Uh, There's two currencies that he's on. I'm looking for one of them. Raise your hand, I'll call on you. Nickel, here you go, man, here's a nickel. There you go, you want it, that's yours, keep it. Uh, A fact about Thomas Jefferson that I was not aware of until I visited his home, it's kind of peculiar, is he has something called the Jefferson Bible. And what the Jefferson Bible is, is it's our holy Bible, 66 books, the one in the pew back in front of you, the exact Bible, except what he did was he ripped out, blacked out, and tore out every supernatural event in the Bible because Thomas Jefferson was a very logical and reasonable person. So if science couldn't explain it, if logic couldn't explain it, he didn't want to live by it. That was kind of his MO. And before we throw our nickels in the trash, and uh, kind of start to hate Thomas Jefferson. Can't you relate with that a little bit? Miracles are hard to explain. They're hard to understand. They're hard to look at the Bible and sometimes we brush by them because you know we're church kids and we're told to believe it and we never really understand why. And yeah, I mean, he did that, cool, move on. And so there's stories in the Old Testament about God parting seas and about talking donkeys. And in the New Testament, there's stories about Jesus looking at blind people and saying, hey, see, and looking at deaf people and saying, hear. And so none of that would have made it into this Bible because Thomas Jefferson couldn't explain it. So the Google definition of a miracle is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Can't explain it. Doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Logic doesn't add up. Science doesn't explain this. And so sometimes we just have to take a miracle and accept it by faith. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to address a miracle. Uh, we're kind of going to dive into it a little bit. Sometimes uh, we can look at things from 10,000 feet up, but today we're going to look at this miracle kind of uh, down to the, to the wire, the, I would say behind the curtain of what this miracle is. And so I'll just tell you straight up what happens in this story before we even get into it. Jesus is in a boat, crosses a river, 
looks at a group of people. It says, uh, the Bible says 5,000 men, which is probably around 10 to 15,000 people if you count their wives and their kids. And they have five loaves of bread and two fish to feed all these people, probably 15,000 people. And what Jesus does is he takes the bread and the fish, he says a blessing to God, and the food then turns into be able to feed all of those people. That's what happens. That's what we're going to see in the story. And so what me and you are going to do is we're going to have to try to tackle this miracle and see what is Jesus trying to tell us? What is he trying to explain? Because that seems kind of like a, a simple story to me. So what I think happens to a lot of us is that what you and I do is we look at miracles and we wonder how and when. And Jesus performs miracles to tell us what and why. And so when we hear the story of five loaves and two fish, I don't know if you do this, maybe I watched too many movies, but does Jesus take it and do like this? Does he do this? Like, how does he do it? How does it happen? Does it just like start to multiply like that? Or does it all just like poof? I mean, that's how my brain works. How did it happen? And then when did it happen? Was it fast? Was it kind of one at a time and he just kept going like this? Like, we wanna know the details. We wanna know the details. And in your life and in my life, when we want Jesus to move, when we want God to, to work on our behalf, we wanna know how it's gonna happen and when it's gonna happen. As we look forward to 2024, we're asking God to do things in our lives. We're asking for financial help. We're asking for health. We're asking for, uh, I mean, you name it, a, a, a family member, a, a division in a family. We're asking him to do that. And what we wanna know is how's he gonna do it and when's he gonna do it? And when God moves, like this miracle we're about to look at, Jesus is trying to tell us what he's doing and why he's doing it. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Mark chapter six. If you wanna use the Bible in front of you, it's page 790, uh, chapter six, that's the big number. The little number's the verse, that's gonna be verse 30 is where we're gonna start. There's four things I think Jesus is trying to show us uh, through this miracle, like I said, I wanna get behind the curtain and kind of see what he's doing, not just uh, how he's doing it. So number one, Jesus works miracles in a quiet and desolate place. Verse 30, if you put up. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. This holiday season, have you had any time to sit down and eat? I read that and I'm like, yes, yeah, same. And they, went, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Jesus works miracles in a quiet and desolate place. And I know what you're about to do. You're gonna start taking notes of the recipe of how to get a miracle. We want it down. Tell us how to do it, we'll do it. A quiet and desolate place, I'll do it. But what Jesus is doing here is he's not giving the recipe of how miracles take place, but he's starting to explain to the disciples uh, what they need to do in order to see the miracle. He's about to do something pretty spectacular. And uh, farther along in this chapter, if you wanna jump down to verse 52, it says this about the disciples. They did not understand about the loaves of bread, but their hearts were hardened. These were disciples who watched Jesus do it. They watched it happen. And later that night, they were like, they couldn't even understand what they saw. They didn't believe it. Their hearts were hard. They're like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Because what Jesus was doing was not just taking food and multiplying it, but trying to show them something. So he took them away to a quiet and desolate place to ready their hearts, to prepare them. 
And I have to ask you, man, has there been moments this past year when you could just get away in a quiet and desolate place? Or we just go, 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 go. Man, we live in a culture that our, our resume is how busy we are. Man, how many hours did I work? How much extra did I put in? I got a side hustle, I got this. And we're constantly telling people what we're doing. The disciples are doing the same thing to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, look at all that we did. We did crazy, mighty works. We were serving you. We were telling people about you. We were doing all this awesome stuff. And Jesus starts to shush them. He says, shh, 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 shh. hey, just come away with me. Won't you just rest a while? Jesus even looks at them and he's like, guys, you haven't even had time to eat. Don't you wanna rest? Don't you wanna get away to a quiet and desolate place just with Jesus for five minutes? My mom tells this story all the time. Uh, there's four boys. God bless my mom's heart. Amen. Jeez. Four boys. I'm the youngest of four boys. And when we were younger, uh, she would lock the door in her room and just sit there and just, she needed a minute. And what we would do was we would take our fingers and put them under the door. Like, mom, come on. Are you, are you in there? And she just wanted a minute. Man, do we just need a minute? We just need a minute at the end of 2023. Man, a busy year. I'm sure you worked hard. I'm sure you did a lot of good things. I'm sure you were generous. I'm sure you were helping people a lot, but don't we just wanna take a minute in a quiet and desolate place with Jesus and rest? And what Jesus is doing is he's telling the disciples, he's telling you and I, hey, something's about to happen. You guys don't wanna miss it, but there's a message here. There's something that you guys need to see. The disciples are focused on the external and Jesus is focused on the internal. The disciples are telling them what they've done. God, look at what I've done. Look at my resume. And Jesus is asking this question. I feel like God asks me this question all the time. And he's asking all of us this question is, how's your soul? How's your soul? That might sound like a super spiritual, deep churchy question. But honestly, what that question is, is how are you? How are you? When I ask that question, it's so easy to just shoot back. Good, how are you? Good, how are you? But how are you? If you could just examine 2023 for a minute, How's your soul? How's the internal doing? Not the external, not the budget, not the, not the bank account, not the, you know, the house, not the truck, not anything external, not how many hours you work, not how much you serve at the church, but how is your soul? How's the inside doing? And Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see that question. Hey, how's your inside doing? How's your soul? Come away with me to a quiet and desolate place because he's about to work a mighty miracle. Number two, Jesus works miracles because of his compassion. Verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So what's happening is uh, as the, the disciples are kind of rowing across, they see all these people, like thousands and thousands of people running on the opposite sides of, of the bank of the river or lake or whatever that to meet Jesus when the boat gets there. And so they're like, man, that's a big crowd. So Jesus gets there and it says this, kind of funny phrase. It says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so this is where Jesus is, I think, starting to turn this miracle. This miracle is starting to become less about 
food and bread and fish and feeding hungry people. And you know, there's a lot of hungry people, give them something to eat. It's starting to turn into something deeper than that. Kind of a, a message behind the story, behind the curtain a little bit. Because he says this phrase, a sheep without a shepherd. He doesn't say hungry people who need a bite. He says, man, they're wandering. They're looking. They're searching. They're asking questions. They're thinking about me. They're, they need more to life. They're not being satisfied. They need more. They're looking for something. He says, they're just sheep. And when I look at crowds like this, us, you know, just ragtag group of sheep in a church, we're not that smart. We're not. You guys failed the, the Jefferson quiz. We're not that smart. We, we, we don't have a lot. We don't know a lot. We don't do a lot. I mean, some of you might, but you know, us as a whole, we're just people. We're just a group of sheep, really. And so Jesus looks on it and he has full compassion. Jesus doesn't look at people and he says, man, let's go give them a bite to eat so we can do a cool miracle. He says, man, I have deep compassion for these people. I love these people. These people are searching and they need answers. These people have souls, they have eternities, they have needs, they have insecurities, they have anxieties. Doesn't that sound like us? Just a group of sheep looking for someone to, to lead us, to help us and to guide us. So he says he looks at the crowd and he has great compassion. And like I said, this is when the miracle starts to become less about bread and more about Jesus. And so what he says is his goal is not to give them bread, but to give them himself. He doesn't say, look, there's hungry people, let's go feed them. He says, there's sheep and they need a shepherd. They need lead, they need me. So his goal is not to give them bread, but to give them himself. And uh, I kind of touch on this now, but we'll get back to then. I kind of get skeptical when I read the Bible. Do you guys? I mean, you know, I don't take everything just like that. I'm kind of like, wait, hold on a second. And so I start to ask questions of like, well, how else could it have went down? You know? Couldn't a Jesus, if he's like all powerful, couldn't he have made the bread and the boat and then just gave it to the disciples to go give them? Like, why does it have to be such a big deal? Couldn't he have just like made a couple $20 bills and like handed them out? Wouldn't that be easier? You know, give the people the pride of like buying their own food. We'll come back to that. Number three, Jesus works miracles with whatever you have. Verse 38, this is where we're gonna get very practical. Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? What do you got? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. The book of John, uh, some of you know this, some of you might not. So the Bible has four stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all stories about what Jesus did and said, but they're written by different people. And so Mark wrote Mark and John wrote John. Yeah, we're smart. And so John wrote the same exact story uh, in John chapter six, but he gives a detail that I think is super, super important. He says uh, they found a boy who had five loaves and two fish. Imagine if you were that boy. There's 15,000 people here. You're the only one with food. You were smart. You took care of yourself. You didn't, you're not dumb. You didn't come out to this desolate place without food. You, you had a plan. You have your food. And what he does is he, he walks through the crowd. I can almost see him and he goes like this. You can have it. What do you have? Not a lot? 
Maybe a ton, maybe you have a lot. Maybe you have a, you know, in the middle somewhere. What do you have? Jesus asked the question, before Jesus even does this miracle, he didn't need five loaves and two fish. It could have been zero and zero. It could have been nine loaves and 12 fish. It doesn't matter for the God of the universe. But he asks the question, what do you have? What can I work with? And are you willing to give it up? So the question for 2024, I think, is for us, are we gonna be like this boy who has perfect faith in God, perfect faith to say, here's what I got and I'll give it to Jesus. I'll give it to him. Imagine if all of us in this room, whatever you have, and you added Jesus to it, added God of the universe to whatever you have. Does it feel like you have not a lot? I heard a missionary say it this way one time. He always says that uh, people talk about, wow, how did Jesus make five loaves and two fish? And they focus on five and two, because we're just numerical people. There's five loaves. How did we split it up in two fish? But they forgot the, the missing piece. They had five loaves, two fish, and Jesus. Amen. That's what they had. What do you have? Do you have five loaves and two fish? What do you have? Can you add Jesus to what you have? The faith of this boy to say, I don't have a lot, but I'm gonna give it to God. Paul says this funny thing in, um, I don't even know it, Philippians, there it is. You know, I study the Bible. Uh, Philippians 4, he says, I know what it's like to have little, and I know what it's like to have a lot. Have you, I mean, some of us have lived enough. Do you know what it's like to feel like you have a lot? You know, I've had seasons where you had a lot of money or had seasons where you just felt on top. And then you have seasons over here where you're like broke and you need God to come through for rent. You've lived long enough to, to know the difference between those. And Paul says, I know the secret. I know the secret in both of those seasons is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so whatever you have, whether it's a lot or it's a little, would you offer it to Jesus? Would you say, God, this is what I have. Can you do a mighty work with it? I think one of the things that we like to say to ourselves a lot is this. You'd say, God, I will blank if I blank. I'd blank if I had blank. Fill in the blank. Uh, maybe this one will resonate with you. Don't attack me. I do this too. I would give if I had more money. Ever said that? You ever know guys who give a lot and you're like, well, they have it so they can give it. Uh, if I had um, maybe a nicer house with more room, I would host my neighbors. If I didn't have crazy kids, I would go out more and I would do more things. And sometimes, you know, in the Christian world, it's if I had more knowledge, if I knew the Bible better, if I was more confident in my own walk with Christ, I would share my faith with others. We play this game. We all do it. We say, man, if I had this, I would this. And Jesus says, no, no, no. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. What do you have? Whatever you have this morning, that's what the boy came with. He said, we have five loaves and we have two fish. Jesus will work a miracle with whatever we have. Number four, <clears throat> Jesus works miracles to satisfy. Verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces in a fish. Isn't that just like a flex? Like, why did there have to be extra? He couldn't have just done the right number? Jesus, like, that's so funny. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Like I said, probably around 15,000 with the wife and kids. The word here is satisfy, satisfied. I have to ask the question, are you satisfied? What's that next thing that you need? What's the thing that will satisfy you? Is it a promotion? Is it money? Is it a spouse? Is it, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, are you satisfied? 
This is where Jesus is, I mean, he's, he's cluing us in on what this miracle is actually about. Like I said, I'm a skeptic, right? I read this, it's amazing. He feeds all these people, crazy. Won't they be hungry in six hours, right? Like, Jesus, haven't you ever heard of teach a man to fish? You know, not give him a fish, teach a man to fish. But he just kind of feeds them, you know, fills their bellies and goes on their way. Jesus is called uh, so many things throughout the Bible. He's called, uh, he says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, I am the resurrection. He says, I am the door. No one can come to the Father except through the door. I am the door. He says, I'm living water. He tells the people, I am the Son of God. He tells people, me and the Father are one. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Then he says this in John 6, he says, I am the bread. I am the bread. Jesus could have been a king that just filled bellies. He could have just satisfied these people, but he's trying to clue them in on a message. He's trying to show them what the miracle is about. Because you see, Jesus is less, interest, less interested in fill, filling bellies and more interested in saving souls. If you're like me, you want Jesus to just fill your belly. Maybe it's actually, maybe it's a metaphor. We just want a quick fix. We want to satisfy. We want him to, to settle our immediate need. God, would you, would you do this? Fill in the blank. Would you give me more money? Would you, you know, come through for this? Would you come through for that? And Jesus is saying, you know, I'll do that, but are you just gonna come back in six hours? Are you just gonna come back again and again and again? He's trying to clue us in on the big picture, the big picture of what Jesus came to do. In the book of John, it, the story ends this way, and it's very peculiar. I think it's very important for what Jesus is trying to tell us. If you wanna bring up John 6, it says, Jesus perceiving then, that the people, they were about to come and take him by force to make him the king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This was a miracle that changed the game. You know, this wasn't Jesus just, you know, I'm reluctant to say just healing someone or just like, you know, blind eyes. This is 15,000 people. I'm from Mogador, population 3,000. Yeah, you know, this is 15,000 people that Jesus is feeding. They look at him and they say, this is the guy. This is the king. This is the one we want. He's gonna fill our bellies. He's gonna satisfy us. He's gonna end up hunger in our kingdom. He, we're never gonna have to work. The, holy smokes, this is the guy. And so they, they charge him to take him as king. And Jesus does the weirdest thing. He says, no, 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 I'm not here for that. He says, I'm not here to, to fill bellies. I'm here for something more. I'm here for your soul. I'm here for eternity. I'm not here for a, a small kingdom here just to take care of food and take care of shelter and water. That stuff's important, but I'm here for eternal. I'm here for everlasting. And so what Jesus did is right now, John chapter six, he had the choice to be a king on the throne of Israel right then. They would have took him and put him up there. They would have taken you know, power of Israel. They would have taken it back from Rome. And he said, no, no, I'm not here for a throne. I'm here for a cross. I'm here for the people's souls. And so what Jesus did is the Bible said he came to seek and to save the lost. That's what this miracle is about. He looks at a group of people and he says, man, I'm gonna use hunger. I'm gonna use what they want to show them what they need. I'm gonna use what they want to show them what they need. And so I have to ask you the question, do we want Jesus just to fill our bellies? Do we want him to be the king on the throne to satisfy our stomach, to satisfy our appetites, to satisfy what we want? Or is he a king that 
came for a cross, to die on a cross for our sins, for our souls, and for our eternity. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I know you could have took the throne with one miracle. All you had to do was show how powerful you are in one minute, and you could have been the king. And that's not what you came for. God, thank you that you came for an eternal purpose, to give us eternity with you in heaven. God, I pray that for everyone in this room, God, that we wouldn't miss eternity, that we wouldn't miss your true kingdom. It's not of this world. God, as we prepare our hearts for a new year, for a new season, God, I know that there's so many hardworking people in this room, so many people who you know, take care of their, their families and their situations, but God, help us to see what you came to bring us, which was eternal life through your son, Jesus. God, I pray for anyone in this room that doesn't know you as savior, God, that you would help them. God, that you would grab their heart, that you would pull them towards you. God, that it's so simple. You made it so simple that we just believe on the name Jesus Christ and we will be saved. God, thank you that you didn't just come to fill our bellies, but to give us eternity with you. We are so thankful for that. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you for being here. This, we will see you next week, next year. No, not funny. All right, see you guys. <laughs>